and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's brought to you by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires and save up to $150 on a set of Big O brand tires today. That's Big O Tires. Gordon, uh, taking a break from the basketball for just a minute. Uh, Jonathan Tavanari is going to join the show at 4.30, the former BYU basketball player. Longtime pro. We'll talk to Jonathan about, uh, we'll talk to him about BYU basketball, of course. Uh, but we'll ask him about the Jazz because uh, if you follow uh, JT on Twitter, you know he watches pretty much every Jazz game. So we'll talk to him about uh, what he thinks about basketball in general. But to talk a little football here for a second, Gordon, have you been following the Aaron Rodgers uh, saga post-loss there in the NFC Championship game? Just there's a lot of speculation that he might be headed other places. And I've seen arguments back and forth. By those, some think he's going to stay, and others uh, think uh, he's uh, had enough and wants to go somewhere else. I wonder if, Jake, if Tom Brady's success by moving to a different team, do you think that caught Aaron's uh, attention at all? So even a story about Aaron Rodgers has to come back to Tom Brady. Cue up the the Unchained Melody. Not everything is about Tom Brady. (laughs) Stories about Aaron Rodgers. Not Tom Brady. What's the latest? Jeez. (laughs) Uh, Aaron Rodgers, everybody knows in the postgame, said there's a lot of unknowns going into this offseason now. He went on a a podcast with Pat McAfee and said, oh, I don't know why everybody's reading into all this. I mean, I don't know why I wouldn't be back with the Packers. was basically the message that that he put out there. So he knows Matt LaFleur is being fired? (laughs) I I don't know. But uh, enter Jason Lockenfora, uh, who uh, is an NFL reporter, who uh, did a story about how he um, interacted with an NFL head coach. Now, he did not identify um, the NFL head coach, but uh, basically that coach was saying it's, it's kind of a, a foregone conclusion around the league that he's not real wild about his situation there and other teams are ready to pounce. Um, Here's some of the quotes. Quote, everything you said is true, the head coach said to me about all the potential roadblocks his team might face to a Rodgers trade. Quote, but trust me, we want in on this thing. It's never really been good between him and the head coach. It's been a long feeling out process, and it looks like it's over. Aaron knows exactly what he is saying and exactly what he is doing. The report goes on. An NFL assistant coach said, quote, it's been the worst kept secret in football. I don't think they've ever really won him over. Last year, he uh, they held him back, and then they picked his replacement in the draft. This guy is nothing if not calculated. He's sending a signal to the rest of the league, come and get me, unquote. <laughs> Well, I know my good friend Bill Plasky. He wrote something about bringing him to the Rams. Uh, Jared Goff, not exactly the most popular quarterback in the league. 
I wonder about that with the Rams. That would be interesting. You know, is Goff really that bad? I mean, you, here's here's the thing. Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, either one, you're, you're probably going to have to give up a King's Ransom to get them, I would mm. think, because neither franchise has to trade either one of them. And I think that's where, where Lock and Fora's uh, source here is is kind of right. He has to play his cards right because Green Bay has all of the leverage. So yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if Aaron Rodgers knew exactly what he was doing, but he can't come out and really say it because Green Bay is the one that holds all the cards. But, this again, this is one of the situations where I get the Green Bay holds the cards, but the player himself is a powerful force in the league, and he's so darn good that he might be able to call call his own shots regardless of who's holding the cards. Now, I don't know what Aaron Rodgers' dead money situation is. Um, I, I would imagine it's it's pretty steep. I know Deshaun Watson's is very steep, so that makes them hard to trade or, or unadvantageous to trade. 17.2 in dead money, Austin says. So that, that complicates things a little bit. I wonder if Green Bay would really like to get at least one more year out of Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure they would prefer that, right? Well, then they shouldn't have run Mason Crosby out there. He's not the quarterback. Oh, I He's agree a with kicker. that. I wouldn't want to play for Matt LaFleur either. He's a very good kicker. So, six <laughs> is more than three. <laughs> yeah, that probably wasn't. Uh, if I'm a coach, and even if I'm leaning the one way, that in and of itself might uh, change my mind. It's funny. Who didn't you see the uh, the uh, the Packers uh, GM was essentially saying, "We're not stupid. We're not idiots. We, we want him back." And yeah, okay. Well, maybe you should make an effort. I I, I get it. In, in this day and age, a lot of people think pampered athletes, some star who you, you got to please him. He's got to have his way. Well, there's certain guys who uh, I don't care how much you disagree. You better listen to them, and you better keep your ears wide open. And Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys. It is pretty amazing, though, how different the NFL and the NBA are. Where the NBA players, I mean, have so much control over their situation, and the NFL is just a little bit different. The way it's you know managed, the way the CBA is, the way it's run. I mean, it's it's a little bit more difficult to just move off of these players. Except for, and that's true, all that's true, but I think of all the things in football, the quarterback is the most like the NBA guys because they are so valuable. Yeah, yeah, but it's also really punitive if the quarterback just sits out. Yeah. And that's their leverage, right? I'm not showing up. I'm not coming in. So what what do you think is going to happen here, Jake? Well, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is going to try and and make some moves behind the scenes if he truly wants to get out. What I hope doesn't happen is what happened to Dak Prescott, where he doesn't have any leverage and he ends up coming back to play for the team and suffers a devastating injury. I mean, that's just oh, yeah. that's just horrible the way that that. I mean, that was worst case scenario for that guy. Honestly, yeah. feel for him. I mean, I I know that he was he was franchised and the franchise player makes a bunch of money, but I mean. That, 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 the timing on that could not have been worse. You know who's really put in a strange position in all of this? Who do you think I'm going to say? Jordan Love. Yep. How does that make him feel? How, what? It's an awful lot of pressure. And I understand that the Aaron Rodgers was politically correct in the way he spoke about that 
that draft uh, publicly, but it had to bug him. He's always wanted to have another receiver, and they pick his replacement instead. And I think it really ticked him off. He played terrific, but I I don't know. You know, these are these are decisions that you need to keep in mind. <laughs> the the stars that you have on the team, and it's a tough spot to pick some kid to replace a legend. And and Aaron Rodgers knows what that's like because he was brought in to replace Brett Favre. Yeah, it's exactly what they did to Favre. So I did, yeah. I don't know. I don't have a ton of sympathy for Rodgers when it comes to this particular story drafting Jordan Love, because of course the franchise is making plans uh, to possibly replace a quarterback in his up, upper thirties. But they drafted him after they signed Rodgers to a contract. So I mean, I don't. You know, I don't know. Conflicting signals there. Right, but I, I don't blame the Packers, particularly after it worked for them so well before. But here's the thing, Aaron, don't give him your job. Go out there and play great. That's what he did. Yeah, that's exactly what he did. That's what he should have done. And if you want to play great for further years, then maybe they move on from Jordan Love. But one thing's for sure, if Aaron Rodgers is playing like he is right now, the Packers aren't going to bench him for Jordan Love. Yeah, but what if he wants to be moved? And then all of a sudden Jordan Love is – perhaps thrown into the fire and he better he better perform or else you know he's going to suffer the wrath of Packer fans you know how fans are about that kind of thing well I feel bad for him in this sense is that the Packers they have some really nice players but they're by they're they're not a complete team you know what I mean that would be a that would be a difficult situation for him to step into unless they stepped up the talent around him um and they're again. They've got some really nice players. I don't mean to be bagging on Green Bay, but it'd be tough for a rookie quarterback, or not a rookie, but a young quarterback, to step right into Aaron Rodgers' shoes. I mean, uh, 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 Patrick Mahomes is is brilliant. Don't get me wrong, but look at all the weapons he had on that team. He stepped right into a ready-made playoff contender. You know, that's a pretty nice place to be. Yeah. And well, maybe maybe the Packers would be that. I don't know, but it it doesn't seem to me like they have a ton of what's needed to make a Super Bowl run. Yeah. They've got Aaron Rodgers. They've got the best player in the NFL right now. Or at <laughs> least he was this season. That's what they've got. And and a receiver that is just out of this world. Mm-hmm. And they had a left tackle who was really good until he got hurt, which by the way was an uh under talked about storyline as to why your boy Tom won because they had pressure on Aaron Rodgers all night. But that's neither here nor there. What is the likelihood that the Packers, with their first-round pick, pick a receiver? I'll bet you they do. <laughs> they have it during Aaron Rodgers' like whole tenure. I know, but they if, if they want, oh man, you just can't let a guy like Aaron Rodgers not st- retire with you. I mean, he's he's still too good. What there's got, come on, there's only been like one legendary quarterback that actually retired with the team that drafted him. John Elway, and that's it. Oh, and they didn't even draft him, right? The Colts? Yeah. But he was with Denver his whole career. But, I mean, your boy uh, Joe Montana moved on. I guess Steve Young didn't, right? He retired. Yeah. Um, Your boy Tommy is retired, uh, you know, semi-retired there in Tampa. I just do uh, whatever whatever I can to uh, make him happy. Uh, So... Whatever it's going to take, do it. Because if I'm the Packers, I want him to retire in the green and yellow or gold or whatever. But they didn't seem to care that much about Brett Favre retiring with him. 
Yeah, but Aaron Rodgers is playing at a uh, at an out of sight level. Well, wasn't uh, Brett Favre's last game with the Packers something like the NFC title game? I think so, right? Didn't he lose it by throwing an interception? Mm, I can't. I don't recall. Yes. And Brett Favre went to another uh, NFC title game with the uh, with the Vikings. And how far did he go with the Jets? Not far. Well, it's the Jets. I, but they got to the playoffs, didn't they? I don't remember. I just remember the the photo conf- controversy when he was with the Jets. Of course, that's all you remember. <laughs> how the, could you forget? It's the only thing memorable about his time with the Jets. <laughs> but yeah, it, it ended in uh, Green Bay on, I believe, on a pick. Okay, so title champion. Yeah. So let me ask. Champion. Let me ask you this, uh, Jake. The how would you if you were if you were team president or GM or owner or whatever. And you had to handle a situation like this. What would you do uh, with a player of of that magnitude? Sell the team and buy an island. <laughs> well, <laughs> the team is owned uh, by the citizens of Green Bay, isn't it? Yeah, but you asked me what I'd do if I were owner. <laughs> what would you do about the personnel decision ahead? Would you play him straight on through until he couldn't play anymore and pay him every penny and do what was necessary to make him happy or to make him feel as though he was being properly treated? Or do you cut that off before it gets to that point and hand the the offense over to Jordan Love? So step one, fire the coach. You wouldn't really fire the coach, would you? Oh, I wouldn't have let him leave Lambeau that night. Jake, what would you really do? Lane Kiffin, that bro, right there on the spot. Bam. You don't work here anymore. Um, I would hope that I could get another year out of Aaron Rodgers. I I wouldn't. um, Who was it? There was a a U.S. Who was Jurgen Klinsmann? Remember that guy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who um, had a criticism of American sports, which which I thought made some sense, where he was saying, like, why are you paying all these players? uh, All you know, why is their earning potential maximized at the end of their career? Because they're less valuable at the end. Yet, and his example was was Kobe Bryant. This was a while ago. You know, he pointed at Kobe's last contract. Remember when he was making like twenty five, yeah. thirty million dollars a year, and just not not the player that that he once was. And so, I it, it's all about uh, return on investment. I, I I believe that. I know our hearts get in the way, and we think you know, oh, retire a Packer and all this. But when you're talking about a, a quarterback making what quarterbacks are making. You got to return, especially in the NFL, where if you're making that big part of the salary cap, then the whole team's invested in you. You know, but he, but he is still contributing in a major, major Correct. way. Correct, which is why I would say I'd try to get another year, give give Jordan Love another year to season, if possible. And and the Packers could do that. They could tell him, "Buck up, Buttercup. Camp starts in July or whatever." And if he didn't show up, they could, you know, hold him to his word. Keyshawn Johnson him, I guess. But what if what if he's got more? Well, he could have more left in him than that. Right, but at what point do you get to be kind of on a year to year basis? Like, are are you really going to sign a thirty seven year old quarterback to a long term deal? Well, ordinarily I wouldn't, but then I'm watching what Tom Brady's doing, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe maybe these guys are keeping themselves in good enough uh, condition to continue to uh, until what? I mean, so you're going to anticipate his demise? I think you have to a little bit. That's the that's the business they're in. Mm. And I, well, I don't think – Tom is the exception, not the rule. 
I mean, I guess it's easy to look at uh, your guy Tommy and go, look, he's 43. He's doing it. Yeah. Why can't you? I mean, that's not really fair. Well, it's because he's not. What was that diet again? The TB12 thing? <laughs> No tomatoes, no caffeine, no happiness. Do you remember when it left Peyton Manning? <laughs> Scotty was talking about this the other day. You remember when when it it went away for for your guy Peyton? I mean, it went away quick, and it was bad. I mean, can't but get the was, ball down the field bad. But but he had been he had been injured. I mean, in a way that had made it very difficult for him to continue on. But he he had like set records the year before. Yeah, well, it got. It, you're right. It did. It did slide quick. <laughs> it did. I, and there's there's some players playing right now. I think it's been sliding on Phil Rivers for a little bit, and thus you see him retiring. I mean, it's just, you know, when when you get into your upper thirties as a quarterback, that's when tough decisions are made. You know, look look at the Packers moving on from Favre. That was the best thing they could have done. They have a they have a, another Super Bowl championship because they made that tough decision. But and you, and you had, remember what a legend a, Brett Favre was at the time. Yeah, but they had a they had a guy that everybody knew was going to be great waiting in the wings. And that's why you drafted Jordan Love. Yeah, but does everybody know that Jordan's going to be great? Did you know that about Rodgers? He sat I for think, he, he sat for what of, three years behind Favre. Two. A lot of people knew how good he was going to be. They, was, they drafted Jordan Love in the first round. He deserves the benefit of the doubt that Rodgers got, I say. Well, I think I think Rodgers had been around. They'd gotten a good look at him and seen what he was capable of doing. Well, we'll see what they do because they're getting a good look at Jordan Love. Yeah. He's only been in the, in the league for a year. Well, we'll see. I, I just think there's going to be a ton of pressure on Jordan Love. Uh, regardless of how this comes to an end. Well, I think there was a a tremendous amount of pressure on Aaron Rodgers, too, when he replaced Brett Favre. And I remember his first game. And all of a sudden, Green Bay Packers fans were like, oh, well, never mind. Brett? Brett who? The the bozo on the Jets? So. Mm -hmm. We'll see. That's just a ticklish thing because, on the other hand, you do have some loyalty to a guy who has brought so much to your franchise. And I know it's an awful lot of money that you're paying out, but I still would feel would feel like I need to. I'd make a lousy GM, I guess, because I would feel some loyalty there, and uh, I don't know if the player would be willing to work with me as far as a salary, a contract that would be uh, to the advantage of the team. But I, I I don't like the idea of just dumping a guy. Who's been so great? You would be a, a, a sports agent's favorite GM. I mean, the, I, the I final it. year of Kobe is a great example that that sunk a team, right? But you got that sixty point on fifty shots night, and you you rewarded your guy who was around for forever. And, and but what did he make? Four hundred million dollars that season, huh? And it also took the Lakers how many years to build back to being a contender? Till LeBron right. came, right? Till LeBron right. came. I mean, I mean that was right. a long time. Well, you bring up a great point that you do have an obligation to your team and to your fans, but uh, that—that's a tough one, man. I do, do. You see what I'm saying at all? Does that play any part, or do you just uh, cut throat? You're done. On to the next. It depends on what he can do. I mean, Aaron Rodgers proved that he's more than capable this year, so I wouldn't bet yeah. against him next year. But it's—it's it's still a, a you're gambling on when Father Time takes hold, mm-hmm. and how badly. And would you rather err on moving on from a guy too early or too late? Yeah. Well, 
<laughs> That's a tough one because of everything I just said. Right. I don't. Uh, those are those are difficult, difficult decisions. I, I am not gonna. I. Well, I'm just. I just as I'm talking, I'm thinking about all the players who have been great, who, like you said earlier, had been shipped off to something else. It does happen quite a bit. I mean, if it can happen to Joe Montana, it can happen to darn near anybody, right? Yep. Well, look at the legends in the NBA. You know, where did where did Keem finish out his career again? In Toronto, I think. Isn't that right? Was it? I don't recall. It wasn't memorable. So all these, you know, these legendary. If you start and stop your career with the same franchise, if you John Stockton it, I, I think it's kind of the exception rather than the rule because these franchises have to make difficult decisions whether or not to to just back the Brinks truck up. Uh, or I mean, if you think about it this way, Carl Malone kind of did the Jazz a favor. If you remember back to to that year when he decided to leave, he took a lot less money to go to the Lakers. The Jazz were offering him the, you know, the the moon and back, and he decided he wanted to win a title and kind of forced the Jazz into a rebuild. But if they paid Carl that salary for you know he only made it one more year with the Lakers, but what if he had a guaranteed four year contract or something with the Jazz? You know they. They could have been mm, the end of Carl. Could have been a lot less, I guess, romantic. I, I, okay. This is. I'm going to go back and answer your question. I think I'd rather hold on to a player too long than let him go too early. I know it's because you're soft, but that's all right. Austin, do I give any uh, backup there at all? Uh, I think that there's occasion. Um, as much as I was using the Lakers as an example, you don't you don't send Kobe Bryant off onto an island for for, for you know he's he's done what he's done there. You you pay him what he wants, you pay him what you can, and you let the thing go down, knowing you're the Lakers and can, can bounce back from that. A smaller picture, market team cannot though. Picture Mike Trout in that situation. Well, Mike Trout, uh, I'm a huge Angels fan, and he's my favorite player of all time. He's an idiot for signing a ten year deal with the Angels. Right, but you would you would rather have him stay a little too long than have him rushed out of town. You know, and I'm not trying to be dev- I'm not trying to disagree with you, Gordon. But I like Mike Trout so much, and I like the Angels so much. I could see myself being okay with the Angels didn't do what Mike Trout did for them to Mike Trout. It's okay for him to go and have success where success breeds. And Man, being not, an Angels being an Angels fan has really warped you, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you know what's important in in baseball and, and how to win games. You, you have to have a pitcher who can throw. I know it's just so funny though that you you straight. You like Mike Trout so much, you wouldn't wish your favorite team upon him. That's exactly. <laughs> just saying, I'm an Angels fan and a Mike Trout fan, but they're mutually exclusive. Yes. I'm such a big fan of yours. I'd really like to see you play for I someone else. I wish you else. could play for anyone but my favorite team. Because this team is just <laughs> a curse. Well, because I think he'd be the greatest of all time. If he won the World Series, he would win elsewhere. He might be the greatest of all time anyway. But there's going to be an argument. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, the greatest of all time? Better than Babe Ruth? Well, statistically, he's on his way. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Uh, I don't doing. think so. Not relative to what Babe Ruth had more home runs than a bunch of teams when he was playing right but when we're I talking mean, home runs then you're right but when we're talking overall around player yeah i don't know babe ruth is a pitcher too that's, that's for the diverse. first unspectacular part of his career uh i i just i err, err on the side of of taking care of my guy i i i would do that rather than be undignified 
about just dumping some guy. Well, to bring this full circle, if the Packers would have felt that way, they'd be they'd have one less Super Bowl. Or one fewer. What's right? One fewer? I think that's right. Or, or on the other side, Jake, what Gordon might be saying is if the Packers were doing this the right way, they would have drafted someone other than Jordan Love that could have helped uh, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers get past the Buccaneers this year. Yeah, what was so special about Jordan Love? I mean, there's going to be quarterbacks available at other times too. Right? What was so special about Aaron Rodgers when they drafted uh, him? I think I think that's played out. No, when they drafted him, I mean, you could have made the same argument though. It worked not out necessarily, yeah. not necessarily, because you can see it's like if you see someone that you think is going to be great, and he was drafted rather late, wasn't he? <laughs> so, so what? The Packers just drafted Jordan Love because they they uh, think he's handsome. Well, I'm going to make a prediction. Jordan Love will not have the career Aaron Rodgers has had. We'll see, but their careers mirror each other exactly in, in at this stage in Jordan Love's career. Okay, then I'll say it this way. If I saw a quarterback that I was absolutely convinced was going to have an all-pro career, then I would go ahead and draft. But is Jordan Love really that much better than this next year's crop or the year after this? I mean, that that's my point. I I would not have done what the Packers did. Well, they didn't know that about Aaron, coming back to the point. Well, I think I think they did. Well, they, they probably feel the same way about Jordan Love. How would you know they don't? Mm, just because. Just because. Wait a minute. We're talking about one of the all-time great Which quarterbacks. Which you had no idea he was an all-time great quarterback at this point in his career. I know, but they, they knew it uh, as they watched it unfold in front of them. Well, how do you know they don't feel that way about Jordan Love? Okay, I'll bet you a hundred bucks right now that Jordan Love does not have the career that Aaron Rodgers is That's, having. It's pretty right easy now. for you he's to say. He's still having it. You had no he's idea still, Aaron Rodgers was going to be that good. You had no still, clue. He's still having it, though. He's still. He was in the middle of still having it. It's not like he had slid. Brett Favre lost his final game with the Packers in the NFC title game. <laughs> okay. uh, stay tuned. Jonathan Tavenari's next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's talk a little basketball. Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, former Cougar, Jonathan Tavernari. What's going on, JT? How are you? What's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Jake, Gordy, what's going on? We're doing great, Jonathan. Uh, excited to talk to you today. Uh, not a, so excited to see a Cougs loss, however. What happened? Man, I, you know, I, you guys have been watching this team all season. Um, we all have. The biggest thing for me that's going on with this team is I think it's a little bit of a lack of urgency, you know. Um, you don't see these guys um, start game on fire, you know. I'll give an example. Um Right after Shaq said what he said about Donovan, the whole Jazz team came out looking like 2017 Golden State, right? And they were firing all cylinders and everything. They were just, you know, running and gunning. And this BYU team, usually they start games very slow. And they start picking up sometime and towards the end of the first half. And it's not until the end of the game 
in the last 10 minutes or so that these guys put on a huge run, right? And that's an issue because when you play on the road, um, when guys are comfortable in their home court um, and so on, they can catch you by surprise, which is exactly what happened. I don't know if you guys watched the game, uh, but BYU had a comfortable lead. Um, they weren't playing particularly great. They were also playing particularly bad. They just, you know, just a lot of ups and downs. And at the end of the, time, at the, end of the game, Pepperdine just made probably one or two more plays than they did. Um, to me, a huge factor was, um, you know, probably just turnovers. And just to me, yeah, the, the battle rebound, if you look at the numbers, they actually were tied. But BYU lost a rebounding battle. I mean, um, with the big guys that they have, with the length and size that BYU does have, to not dominate Fairperdine and most of the other teams, you know, obviously that's not considered Gonzaga because Gonzaga is the ultimate cheat code in this conference. But um, it was kind of disappointing. And and to me, it, I don't know if you guys had a chance to at least see towards the end of the game, the biggest um, kind of uh, uh, overall snapshot of the game was when BYU gave up about four or five offensive rebounds in the last minute uh, in one play um, to them when one of their big men actually caught the ball and just kind of tipped in real quick. But then they also turned around right away and had a fast break, um, you know, layup with the big man, with Richard Harvard. So to me, that was kind of like a, a Photoshop of the game where uh, Pepperdine wanted more. They were hungrier. Um, they execute. I won't say they executed a little bit better, but they their sense of urgency. Uh, they wanted to win more than BYU did. Which again, that Pepperdine team is not going to go anywhere. They're seven and seven. They might even you know there's not going to be an NIT or college basketball um, tournament or anything like that. So it just BYU didn't want it, and I think that this loss probably will hurt them in the long run for the NCAA tournament. Maybe you just partially answered my question, Jonathan, but I'm I'm curious to know why BYU has this habit of dropping these games against what I would consider inferior teams in the West Coast Conference. I mean, this has been going on for years now. Uh, uh, Gordon, Ed, if we had an answer for that, I can promise you I will figure out a way to bottle and settle it because, to me, that's my biggest pet peeve of the WCC, you know, um, there is this whole thing about, all oh, the WCC, it's such a good conference, and it's solid. But let's be realistic. It's really not. I mean, on a good on a good year, there's maybe three or four teams that are solid. On a bad year, which kind of like this year, there is Gonzaga, and then there's one or two teams fighting to be a bubble team in the NCAA tournament. And so to drop games to these guys, it is it, – it's bad. It's not okay, right? Um is this on the coaching staff? Somewhat. I do think that not being up and ready to play these games uh, is somewhat on the coaching staff. But the players also have a big a big responsibility here to answer for not being ready to play, for being up and down. Because let's be honest, the, the, the coaching staff is preparing the game plan, getting things you know on the same page. I mean, there's COVID to worry about. But then in return, you go ahead and you talk about um, you know, not getting ready to play. The players need to help with that quite a bit. So to me, um, it's it's not okay. And, you know, I kind of answered that, and I'll re- you know, reemphasize what I said. To me, I really think that this game was going to come back. I hope I'm wrong. When it comes to basketball, I usually am not. I mean, heck, I owe DJ some cookies 
or thinking that Golden State was going to come back the other day. I know Austin saw that. Um, but I, it, to me, I think that this game is going to come back and buy BYU in the tail because Gonzaga was 6-7 and seven coming into this game. Um, 129, I think, was their Kampom. And BYU had nothing to gain from winning and had a lot to lose um, by not, you know, by losing this game, which it unfortunately it's what happened. So um, a couple of games now have been canceled. Um, Saturday, a home game against USF, which is a it was going to be a quality win um, for them. Um, it's not going to happen. They're going to have to play Portland again, which again, it's not going to be uh, the greatest of wins. And at Portland, and again, it's one of those situations, guys. If they lose. They have more to lose by losing. Do they have more to gain Gain if they get a win? Jonathan, I apologize if I've asked you this before, but what has Mark Few figured out at Gonzaga? What makes him so consistently good? You know, um, one of my really good friends, you guys probably remember this because this is back when, when Andrew Bogut was dominating in Utah. They have a Brazilian guy that played there, J.P. Batista, and uh, we played in the national team a, a long time together. Um, he played in France for quite some time. Um, and the way he tells me, guys, um, it, it, he just knows how to talk to people. And I, I don't, I, you guys probably know this, but the story of how Gonzaga became a powerhouse is actually pretty cool. Um, they're about to go out of business, and the institution itself was in trouble. The athletic department was going to be shut down. They brought Mark Field to be the guy that pretty much just steered a boat into darkness. And he had a couple of really good seasons, some postseason runs, got paid some money, got more some out of a vibe, and then started getting better and better recruits. And lo and behold, what happened? Gonzaga became a powerhouse and just got continuation. So um, to me, it's, it's kind of like the Duke effect somewhat. You go to Duke, you know you're going to be a, an NBA draftee. You go to North Carolina, you know you have a chance to go pro. And, and they figured out that. I'll tell you from perspective, um, um, from personal perspective, um, being an international guy, being an immigrant, when I was at Bishop Gorman, um, I was getting calls from Gonzaga. And at that time, I was like, I don't know if I want to go to Gonzaga. It's a small school, right? I mean, yeah, they just had Aaron Morrison and all of that, but it's a small school. I mean, Gonzaga in 2004, 2005, they weren't being looked at the way that they are today. Um, but Mark Few was able to appeal to a lot of Europeans, a lot of foreigners, um, and you guys know this because I come on the show a lot. You guys are friends with Spence Nelson and a lot of you know the guys that, that play overseas. Um, Europeans want to come to college and they want to be able to have a place to play and call it home and, and have that college university. Gonzaga um, goes to those guys. They recruit overseas. They go over there, which is something that a lot of the other programs, they don't want to do it. Right, uh, BYU had a huge influx of of Brazilians because of Walter Ruiz, right? Who is now the head of the NBA camp uh, academy um, down in Mexico, um, which is the reason why they got Hafa, which is the reason why they got me. And so, uh, to me, it's a huge thing. Is about uh, Gonzaga when and when NBA guys go there, when Europeans go there, guys. Europeans aren't very selfish, right? They are. Uh, uh, foreigners, when we get here, we have that built-in mentality of sharing the ball, playing the right way. Now, i never seen a shot in my life that I don't like, but you still play basketball the right way by sharing the ball, moving the ball, backdoor, playing team defense, um, which a lot of times Americans don't have that mentality built in. 
which is something that Kobe always said about the fundamentals. So to me, Mark Field figured that out, and now he has that thing on cruise control, which he knows which Europeans to get. He has connection in the major markets, especially Eastern Europe, when you look at Serbia, when you look in Croatia, um, Slovenia, when you look, you know, the, the former Yugoslavia, um, he has gotten that thing on lockdown. And I can tell you from experience, from going over there and playing against those teams, um, they, if they want to go to college, their number one choice will be um, Gonzaga. Just a real quick follow-up to that, uh, Jonathan. Is is it true that there are some foreign players who are being lured in by cash or by benefits? Uh, and a, a larger question would be, uh, how much cheating do you think is going on in this regard? Uh, Gordon, I can tell you this because I'm not involved with any university. Um, I know firsthand because, again, when we are in Europe, and we are going around and we're traveling. People talk, right? And, and you know, I'm a, I'm a talkative guy. The fact that I speak Italian, I speak multiple languages, I can go in these countries and talk to people. It's, I will say this. Is Gonzaga cheating? I highly doubt it. It's the same reason why, you know, Duke to me or North Carolina, they don't need to cheat. They already have that. But I know a lot of programs, including one program that recently went to the Final Four, and one of their foreign players that I know really well, and I know the family really well, uh, let's just say that, you know, it wasn't for the love of uh, playing college basketball and listen to the, you know, it had nothing to do with that, but he did have to do with the love for the almighty green. And so um, it happens, right? And you, you And again, you know, um, I'll be completely blunt. When I came to America, when I went to, to when my goal of coming to America instead of going, you know, to to Europe, was because I watched Blue Chips and I wanted to do that, right? I wanted to come and I wanted to get the girls and I wanted to get the car and the money. And then Gordon, I became Mormon and I went to BYU. So that is all to tell you about, you know, my reality for college sports. Um, but I can tell you this: um, if sometimes. When you see a flag raised, my personal experience in college sports is usually that flag has been raised. There's a reason why, and the reason usually right. One more, one more follow-up I have for you, JT. It's this: I saw the picture that you posted recently with the with the guy who had his fingers that were looked like they were inside your eyes, essentially. Yep. yep. Uh, uh-huh. Did that hurt? So um, I actually got to follow you on Twitter, Gordon. I don't think I know that, and I, I do that. So I got to do that, and, I, and Jake, I think you too. I got Austin. Remember, remind me of that, please, brother. So Gordon, believe it or not, um, in a moment, um, my eyes, my vision went blur for about two or three minutes. Um, I actually finished the layup, by the way, which you know I I didn't get foul on, and but I did make the layup right after that. Um, but I went blur for about two or three minutes. And, uh, you know, they pulled me out of the game. I didn't play the rest of the first half. I came back, and um, we were actually playing Pepperdine and we ended up beating them by 20, I think. It, w- it wasn't even a close game, um, which is how BYU should, you know, handle Pepperdine, right? And so, um, but it, I, it was blur. It didn't really hurt. It was just the impact. It looks worse than it actually was. The guy actually the next day, calls. he called me two times. Once was through Kyle Shilton, the former um, SID, and then the other one was on my cell phone, making sure that I was okay. It looks, you know, worse than it was. 
um, to me, the biggest, the, the saddest thing about this whole thing is that the picture, I think it was somebody from the Tribune that took it. Um, that yeah, guy well, actually took um, third place or second place, or he actually uh, ended up getting a really um, high, um, uh, and, um, you know, kind of finish on a, on a picture uh, competition. Uh, and, you know, it kind of it was world known and everybody, I mean, my name was everywhere because of it, and I didn't see a single penny out of it. So you talk about I came to college, I wanted to get paid, I wanted to get the girls and the free cars and all of that and party, and then I became Mormon and I went to church and I got married, and I never saw a penny for a picture that, you know, went around the world. So uh, I guess I should have gotten paid. So have you, Jake, have you seen that photo? I have, I have. I thought it was a, a real, what I thought of is that is a visual representation of what it's like to work with Gordon. <laughs> Jake, nice. I'm not going to hold you against uh, that against you because some of Gordy's takes they are somewhat of a, a, a poke in the eye. So that's <laughs> that's kind of true. But you know what, Gordon, I've learned to love you. The more that I'm in America now, I get to listen to you guys radio. You're growing on me, and it's a good growing, not like weed that you want to get rid of. It's like a really beautiful, you know, uh, bushes of, of uh, you know, of, of roses. So you're growing on me, my guy. That's a good thing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. Hey, we truly appreciate you when you uh, get a chance to jump on the show. Thank you very much. Hey, uh, nothing but love for you guys and the Jake. I know you're a fan of D, so give me 30 seconds. I'm going to tell you one of my crazy European stories because I know you love those. Oh, I do so, love them. Yeah, that's um, true. Let me tell you one right here. So we go play. I'm playing down in Naples, and we go play in Milan. And a teammate of mine, um, big party guy, he dropped out of college and went overseas. So he flies with us into the game the night before. He has dinner with the team. In the morning, you know, we all have our own rooms. Nobody knows where he is. Um, come lunchtime and shoot around. We don't know where he is. Come the pregame kind of snack that we have at five. Nobody knows where he is. At about 20 minutes before tip-off, he shows up to the um, to the game, completely drunk, eyes are red. Nobody knows where he is. He goes in, he suits up. The coach says, your punishment is that you're going to come off the bench. He comes off the bench and he scores 25 points and we win the game and everybody can't believe and he's drunk and he smells alcohol. Right after the game, um, he goes back to the hotel. He has dinner with us. In the morning, we have a really early flight because we have to go to Germany um, after that. Uh, nobody sees him. Nobody knows where he is. We get to Germany. Um, nobody knows where he is or hears from him. Um, we get in. We have practice and shoot around. The next day, lunch, the same thing. He somehow he shows up at the arena um, at game time. Again, super drunk. We think that he's high at this time. Drops another 30 points. We win the game on the road. Um, and then at this time, the president put a handcuffs on him, and they slept together on the same bed on handcuffs <laughs> because they said that they're not going to know what he's going to do next time. And so, uh, and then at that day, he was on the on the you know the day after he was on the plane back with us to Italy, but. Um, I'm never going to forget that the fact that this man disappeared for almost 24 hours and just showed up kind of like the Holy Ghost, you know, showed up only when it's really needed. And uh, one of the most amazing surreal experiences that I had, the guy was dunking and jumping and scoring and shooting. But uh, it's one of those crazy European stories that I have. Love it. Hilarious. The president handcuffs himself to the player. Yep. <laughs> That's yep, amazing. Yep, yep. Guys, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jonathan. We appreciate you.
Uh, that's Jonathan Tavernari joining us. And I do love those stories. He knows I love those stories. You talk to anybody who's played in Europe, Gordon, you know this, and they just have the wildest stuff that happens. Yeah, they do. I, remember, I mean, there are. I mean, I remember one player telling me how uh, he was supposed to be paid by the team owner, but the team owner was tied into the that nation's mafia, and uh, he literally feared for his life at one point because he hadn't been paid, and he started complaining about it, and he thought he was a goner. Crazy stuff. All right, Not Sports Report coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It is time for the Not Sports Port, brought by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Uh, I got two real quick. I'll make them short, though, because I know we're pinched for time here a little bit. But there is detectives are, are looking for a fugitive. And I believe this is in, uh, I'm not sure where this is. It's in Greene County, wherever that is. But anyway, uh, they're trying to find this fugitive. His name is Roy Mitchell. Uh, but he, the report says that he, he's known as Baldhead Mitchell. So I thought Austin might be able to relate to this guy a little bit. Baldhead Mitchell is his nickname, but... This is his description in the police report, okay? Roy Mitchell is 5'9 and weighs about 150 pounds. He has black hair and brown eyes. If you see this man, call Crime Stoppers. Yeah, uh, I know what happened here. What? They used his DMV records, which he had (laughs) black hair when he got his license and never changed it. Maybe it's one of those ironic nicknames. Oh, like tiny <laughs> yeah. for the five hundred pound guy. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, like I this this guy's got the best hair uh, head of hair I've ever seen. Let's call him bald. Uh, for the, the year that my wife and I were dating, she thought my middle name was Mitchell. Really? It, it, in a way, it's not. What What gave her that impression? She just thought that because it sounds like what my my middle name is Marshall. She thought that. So then, oh, when anyway, okay, anyway, so oh. I'm bald headed, and someone thought I was Mitchell. All right, well, the picture of him, he, he's bald, but um, I don't know what the black hair thing is all about. Maybe it's what you said. All right, and here's the second thing real quick. Did you guys hear about this story out of Brazil, ironically enough? But a guy found an agate gemstone uh, inside of some volcanic rock down there. He found it, and I guess people like to crack them open so they can see what's inside, what the design is on the inside. And when he cracked this rock open, it has the perfect face of the cookie monster inside. The Sesame Street Uh, character? Yes. Looks just like the cookie monster. And this was all done via nature. Cracked it open, and both halves have two eyes, just like the cookie monster, and a big smile. And the inside of the rock is blue. You know, Gordon, usually when you tell these stories, I roll my eyes and go, okay, whatever. I looked it up. It's Cookie Monster. It is. It's, it's, in, it's distinct, distinctively Cookie Monster. So the guy sold it for like $10,000. What? 
To who? Let's see. The Jim Henson Company? It says Mike Bowers of California, who is the current owner of the Sweet Peas, posted a video of himself opening the rock. Uh, I don't know who found it or whether he was the one that discovered it or whatever. But anyway, they say it's worth ten grand, And it even caught the attention of Cookie Monster himself. Cookie Monster tweeted out, he said, if I can get my computer to stop bouncing around, says... Um, Wait, can you do it in Cookie Monster's voice? Yeah, that's the way it's written. It says, me, no geologist. No, no, that me, doesn't sound like Cookie Monster. Come on. Me, no geologist. But me think that rock look a lot like me. That's actually not terrible. That's not terrible. I I didn't watch a lot of Sesame Street. Let me try it again. Me, no geologist. But me think that rock look a lot like me. No, that's Yoda. That's Yoda, yeah. It, it, it's <laughs> the, the inflection up isn't really Geologist, cool. me not. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right, you do the Cookie Monster. Me no geologist, but me think that rock look like a lot like me. That wow, sounds, that that's sounds really kind of like your uh, your Ed Ogeron. They're the same person. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> separated at birth, didn't you know? Let me try it again. You got to get l- lower on it. Me no no <clears throat> me no geologist, but me think that rock look a lot like me. <laughs> wow, that was really jumbled together there at the end. <laughs> Which kind of is Cookie Monster, I wait, guess. Wait, you do it again, Austin. No, this is ridiculous. Oh, it's right. You're so we know geologists, but me think that rock look a lot like me. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Anyway. Hire me, 10, Sesame Street. $10,000. As we go to break here, why don't you give us a little Edward Duran here? I'd like to hear uh, your impersonation of him, even though you probably won't be able to talk for a day or two after. Where you touch us coming up tonight on the plane to Dallas Mavericks? We've got to get good defense, got to get the offense, got to get hi, hi. I'm doing the big show here. Please quiet down. Thank you. I like your Ed O'Dron. It is funny. It's very, next. It's very good. All right. <laughs> you heard, Coach. We'll have more straight ahead. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.